You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it is Easter Sunday and uh, uh, Resurrection Day, but also April Fool's Day. The last time Easter fell on April Fool's Day was 1956. I know, that was a long time ago. Uh, I wasn't even born. <laughs> Just shortly after that. <laughs> but due to the, the quirks uh, involved in, in dating Easter against the Gregorian calendar, uh, <clears throat> these two coincide kind of intermittently. After 2018, uh, the next one is 2029. And then the one after that is 2040. Lord willing, most of us will still be here. <laughs> And though April Fool's Day is a day to pull little pranks on people, we usually don't like being duped or tricked or deceived or hoodwinked or swindled unless it's better. You know, that, that's good. But because, you know, receiving the brunt of a joke is kind of embarrassing and even shaming. Much like uh, uh, millions of Americans in 1938, when Orson Welles did that fictitious War of the Worlds radio drama where, where he, uh, you know, get this fictitious story of Martians landing and invading Earth and people thought it was real. Uh, they had tuned in. It was a, kind of the perfect storm of, uh, of this. It wasn't meant to be a hoax. Just this fictitious story that they had put together on the radio and people tuned in, not hearing that it was fiction, actually thought it was real. It was a mayhem around there. People got hurt and it was, a, it was amazing, but they finally realized it was a, a, a mishap. It was, a, it was just a, a mistake, much like the missile mishap in Hawaii in this past January. Some of you remember that? Um, where a warning went out over TV, radio, and on cell phones, where there was an incoming ballistic missile and the words, this is not a drill. People were panicked for 38 minutes until the official false alarm was issued. (laughs) Wow. I don't know how you would have felt in that time, but you also know we live in Southern California, and you know there's an army base just over there. We're like target number one. Next to Hawaii, right? I mean, we're all the How would you feel? I mean, some, sure, some jokes are fun, and it's great to be fooled with a prize greater than what we thought. But have you, have you ever been scammed? Anybody ever been scammed? You don't want to admit it. Okay, I will. I have been scammed, actually, just a few months ago. Uh, and I'm usually really careful. Uh, but uh, I needed some uh, a new program for my wife's computer, and uh, my, they were sneaky, uh, but I felt foolish, embarrassed, shamed, and very unwise. I mean, I'm, I'm an educated person. <laughs> I should know better. Uh, I, I got played. I got made the fool. And we really don't like that. I know I don't. And uh, we don't like being made the fool where, and then there's actually no victory in life in that. See, living the, the thrill of victory is, to, is found in trusting in the evidence and finding that evidence valid, especially when it comes to faith, faith in God. We want what we believe in to be true. Uh, sure, there's an element of faith in there, that, that trust in what we can't see. 
But when there's good evidence that validates our belief, there's a thrill of victory in that. That thrill of victory is really what Easter and Easter Sunday is all about. The celebration and the remembrance that, yes, Jesus did actually raise from the dead. He is risen. Oh, that statement has been done throughout the centuries and even in the first churches when they began to meet because they wanted to always remember that he is risen. And to have that emphasis put on there because it is true. For the resurrection of Jesus is the validation, the, the verification of all of Christianity. See, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, our faith is in vain or foolish. And to be honest, some say it's foolish to believe in such things, that Jesus would raise from the dead. Come on, that's never happened. Well, many years ago, in a a church much like this, in a city much like this, in a time much like it is today, a group of people had doubts Uh, They were concerned about their faith, that it may be in vain, without reason, rash, thoughtless, in other words, foolish. And so they asked the Apostle Paul for some explanation, especially as it relates to this Sunday in history, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. Well, Paul responded to their question. He actually wrote it down. And we have his response Preserved for us in our Bibles, in the Bible book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15 in specific. And on this wonderful Easter, this April Fool's Day, we're going to look into and, and, and on a portion of Paul's response and discuss a few points that verify the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And in light of this, how might we live the thrill of victory? Because, and here's a phrase I want you to remember today, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus assures we are no fool for our faith. And so I know you've stood up and sat down a few times, but let's stand up again and we're going to pray and ask God to challenge us this morning from his word. I'm so glad that you chose to be here, ready to go and to hear God's word and to worship him. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the great and glorious celebration today is. The Lord Jesus, recognize and to celebrate who you are and to enjoy who you are. But Lord, it's, it's a faith with, with reason, or there is evidence. And as we talk about that this morning, may you encourage our faith, may you draw us into faith, and may you help us in this moment we tend to share together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to take out of the worship folder that John talked to you about. Yeah, there's that card in there, and I'll tell you more about what to do with that. Make sure you have your name on it, and, and that, and then, and then, but also take out an outline that's in uh, your worship folder. There are some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen, and plus a number of other verses uh, that we're going to share this morning. But I also want to encourage you to, uh, at the end of the service, in the lobby area, when you're out enjoying some snacks out there, pick up one of these study guides guides. Because on this, uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Kerry, spent some time and wrote um, uh, 11 pieces of evidence that Christ rose from the grave. You're going to hear more this morning, but here's some more handwritten out. And there also there's a, uh, the, um, we're going to show a video in a little bit. The address to that video is there and the link to where to get to that and some of the answers that we talk about uh, from the scripture are there this morning. 
So I'm going to encourage you to, to do that. But let's look and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. A lot of it's going to be up on the screen. But if you'd like to hold a Bible, uh, our ushers are coming down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hand. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them, and they'll be happy to let you borrow that. You can leave it there when it's done, and we'll pick it up afterwards. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is it's written, it's in the New Testament. You go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, and then there's Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is right before 2 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the chapters are all numbered and, and that, and that was put in a lot later But uh, when the letter was written. But, but Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to this church in Corinth, ancient Corinth, near the Mediterranean Sea, up, up a little ways in that area. And uh, this church had a lot of questions. They had a lot of questions about life, specifically about the resurrection of Jesus, but also how to live the victorious life of a Christian. Where's the victory in that? Because they were experiencing some difficulty in times, and Paul was writing them to be able to help them, that the thrill of victory is Paul is saying, is found in, the, in, in faith in the resurrected Jesus. And so he starts. He says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Now the gospel is, a, the word gospel literally means good news. It's the good news about all that Jesus has taught and done and what he is all about. The fact that he came to be our savior from our sins. I'll explain that in a moment. And But he also show us how to live life, connecting us to God and, and, and letting us understand who he is and what he's about. So that's the gospel. Uh, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. In other words, what Paul is saying that is that if you don't embrace the truth of Jesus, have faith, yes, your faith is futile and it is in vain and it is foolish. Not the victorious life Jesus came to provide because he wants us to believe in him, much like Jeff came to really understand that and it shifted his life around when you saw that video there. And now Paul does something very unusual in this text of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He recites a creed. It's a saying that the early church uh, said that some months after Jesus rose from the grave, this statement was was proclaimed. Verse 3 all the way down to verse 7. Let's just walk through it for a moment. Paul says in verse 3 of, of 1 Corinthians 15, For I deliver to you as of first importance which I receive, this creed. And here's the creed, that Christ Jesus died for our sins. Let me just stop there and, and explain this gospel to you, this good news. See, the reality of life is the Bible teaches, yes, that we are sinful. It's just part of who our, our human nature you know, you don't have to, we've talked about this a lot of times, you don't have to teach a kid to do wrong things, they just do it automatically because it's part of our sin nature, it's part of who we are. We seem to gravitate towards wrong and not doing right, and we need to be taught how to do right and taught morality to be able to do good. It's just a part of our human nature. Left alone, we will always go that way because our propensity is always towards that direction. The Bible is clear that it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, that sin has separated us from God. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet, back in the Old Testament, says that your sin, your iniquities, have separated you from God. So we don't have a relationship with him. We don't have this interaction with him. We can't know him personally. In other words, we can't then, therefore, reach our full potential. And not only that, we, can't, we won't make it into heaven with this issue of sin. And there's nothing we can do to fix our sin problem. It's this disease that we've been born to, and there is no cure. 
except for Jesus. That's why he came. That's why we call him Savior. Because he took our sin upon us. And when he died on the cross, he yelled out, it is finished. In other words, paid in full, he paid our sin debt when he died on the cross. And how we benefit from that is through belief, through faith, through trusting in him alone for our salvation. And so, yes, Christ died for our sins. Romans 6.10 puts it this way. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God because he's risen. There you go. You're there. You're, you're on it. That's good. The, the, the creed goes on, for Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul's probably referring to the, the, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, most likely verse 5, which says it's on the screen. He that's talking about Messiah, we know that to be Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his death, we now can have life when we believe. And then it talks about what happened to Jesus. Yes, he died for our sins, according to the scriptures. The creed goes on that he was buried and that he raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, the scriptures Paul's probably referring to is Psalm 16, verse 10, which says the Holy One will not experience decay. See, Jesus went through a lot. Now, if you were with us Thursday and Friday night, you heard about that, that Jesus was in the upper room having a Passover Seder with his, his uh, uh, disciples on Thursday. They, he did some strange things by washing their feet and giving them a new commandment to love each other and let love permeate their life And because he is an example of love and then went into the garden and he was arrested and beaten and uh, scourged and, and strung out on a cross to die. And at one point, we already mentioned it, he breathed his laugh saying, it is finished, and he was dead, verified dead, placed in a tomb on Friday. He was there Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. Early that morning, some came out to see him and noticed the tomb was empty, and he was seen risen, very much alive, by Mary, the disciples in the upper room, Thomas, two on the road to Emmaus, and actually even more. It says in this that he was buried and raised, and back to the text in Corinthians, as according to the scriptures, and then he, verse 5, appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of those are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles. And then Paul throws this in, it's not part of the creed, but he throws it in in verse 8 and says, last of all, to one untimely board, born, he appeared to me. If you want to know the biblical reference to that, write down Acts chapter 9, where Paul encounters Jesus. See, J- Jesus was very much alive. And Paul is saying the evidence is overwhelming. Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive. It's true. It was not a hallucination. 500 people at one time don't have an hallucination. Jesus did not fake his death and somehow Jedi mind trick the uh, guards asleep and then slip out of the tomb. He was dead. And even if he wasn't dead, he just kind of, you know, fainted. He had just been through scourgings and beatings and that his body couldn't even roll over that huge stone. See, it was the greatest miracle ever validated by eyewitnesses. And when Paul wrote this, many of them were still alive. For the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus assures we are no fool for our faith. 
See, it's important to grasp the validity and the soundness of the resurrection of Jesus for it's foundational of our faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 puts it this way. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That word vain means without reason, or we would call it foolish. But our faith is not foolish. For the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus assures we are no fool for our faith. But, but that was then, when the eyewitnesses were still alive. But what about now? Well, there is solid evidence for the resurrection. And I wanted you this morning to hear from someone who used to believe that faith in the resurrected Jesus was more foolishness than anything else. Listen to his story. And when I was an atheist and legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, I would have smirked at the fact that Easter this year falls on April Fool's Day. Because back then, I thought that anyone would have to be a fool to think that Jesus literally rose from the dead. One day, my wife gave me the news that she'd become a Christian. And so I decided to take my journalism training and legal training and debunk the resurrection of Jesus. So I spent two years of my life analyzing the historical data. And what I found really shocked me. I recounted in my book, The Case for Miracles. First of all, I found that there's no dispute among scholars that Jesus was dead after being crucified. Uh, the famous atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman, says it's historically indisputable that he was dead. The Journal of the American Medical Association says that based on the historical and medical evidence, that Jesus was clearly dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Second, we have early reports of the resurrection of Jesus. Reports that come so quickly, you can't just write them off as being a legend. In fact, we have one report of the resurrection, including named eyewitnesses, that has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus. Friends, that is historical gold. Third, we have the empty tomb. And I found that even the opponents of Jesus implicitly conceded that the tomb of Jesus was empty. And then fourth, we have nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. Friends, that is an avalanche of historical data. And then we have seven ancient sources inside and mostly outside the New Testament that confirmed that the disciples lived lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation that Jesus had risen. Why were they willing to do that? Because they heard a rumor that he'd risen? No, because they were there. They touched him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They knew the truth. And knowing the truth, they were willing to proclaim it, even despite the suffering they endured. Friends, I spent two years investigating this evidence. And it came down to one day when I reviewed it all and I thought, you know what? Based on the historical data, my verdict is that Jesus not only claimed to be the Son of God, he backed up that claim by returning from the dead. And that's the moment that I decided to confess my sin, to turn from that, to receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. And at that moment, I became a child of God. Some people have a rush of emotion at that moment. I didn't. You know what I had? I had the rush of reason. 
Because the resurrection of Jesus is not some April Fool's Day joke. It is a historical reality based not on mythology or make-believe or wishful thinking, but a solid foundation of historical truth. Yes, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus assures we are no fool for our faith. But there's more. For if this was a hoax, all the religious leaders had to do at that time was to produce the body of Jesus. But they could not. Now, they did uh, make up the story that the disciples had stole the body. <clears throat> but how could a band of fishermen uh, steal from trained Roman guards surrounding a tomb? And how did people see a fake Jesus? It wasn't Weekend at Bernie's, if you remember that movie. <clears throat> they saw Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. It's because... All that happened to Jesus is all that he said it would, that he did raise from the dead and he is alive. The evidence of the resurrection assures that we are no fool for our faith. Well, Paul goes on in in Corinthians chapter 15 and he says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That word first fruits means as an example Because Jesus raised that we will rise and someday have a body, a new body like his, a resurrected eternal body. Now, this idea of Christ's new body was unknown concept at that time. The disciples struggled to believe that Jesus would die and be raised, but in no way would they have conceived that Messiah would have a different body. Therefore, it's virtually unimaginable uh, that early Christians fabricated such a story. It's even a little bit difficult to understand even in today's time. But Jesus did raise from the dead and he had a real body. If you want to write down John chapter 21, where Jesus sits down to breakfast with Peter and a number of the other disciples, he talks with them, he eats with them. It's a real person next to them. You know, Lee Strobel said that there is great evidence, an avalanche of evidence of the resurrection. It is a historical fact because he was raised and the thrill of victory of life is found in faith in Jesus for the resurrection is that that exclamation point in making all that Jesus teachings to be true in other words that Jesus did proclaim to be God Jesus did proclaim to be the way the truth and the life Jesus did predict and, and proclaim that he was the one to give us abundant life. John 10, 10. Jesus came to give us a victorious life, an abundant life. The thief comes only to steal, steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, abundantly isn't like what we think about in the world, that we're going to be rich and have lots of possessions and everybody's going to think we're great and honorable, all those kind of things. It's, it's an abundance of deep peace and, and joy and significance, much like Jeff felt. When he turned and and began to fill his life full full of God and and had his direction, there was an inner peace you couldn't imagine. I wish you could have seen the change in him. And as he began to grasp a hold of the truth and see that God is really the way to go in life. So experience the thrill of victory in life by believing in the resurrected Jesus. Here's three ways to, 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 to experience that thrill of victory. The first is to embrace faith in Jesus, to choose to believe, uh, to, to have that initial decision of faith and to embrace 
Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. I, I was a, uh, didn't grow up in a church family, and my, my father was a university professor. He taught mechanical engineering and thermodynamics. And believe me, everything was about science and proof. And, you know, when we went on vacations, we didn't go to fun places. We went to libraries and to, 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 to study institutions and, and learn things as we went. We did spend time outdoors, but it was always an experience in learning about geography and, and all these kind of different things. And it was wonderful. But let me tell you, faith was not part of it because it had to be proven. And as I began to examine this whole idea of Christian faith, I saw something different in my friend. I saw the example of a changed life. And I thought, my friend, if he, if he made the step of faith, maybe I could too. And I got to that point where, yes, it is a step of faith. And I believed. And I had, yes, a uh, uh, conversion of reason, but also I had an emotional experience because I actually felt the love of God like I'd never felt love before. Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we find faith in him, there's victory. It's found not in self, not in wealth, not in wisdom, but it's found in Jesus. And that faith is a, is a, is a, a, faith, is a faith of reason as well. As well, the, the thrill of victory is found in following Jesus. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That word, work of, or those words, work of the Lord, is simply to follow Jesus, to do what he did. The apostle Peter put it this way in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. It's to do what Jesus did, to be kind, to be, to be helpful, to be a blessing. You can see that when Jeff was saying, and now I want to really help people and, and be an encouragement to others. You see that beginning to work. He wants to be like Jesus. And, and God's word gives us the help, help in that. He's in, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God be prepared you beforehand, which you should walk in them. And so we're to follow, to follow Jesus like Jeff did, like many of you are, to continue that. See, to live the thrill of victory is to embrace faith in Jesus, to follow Jesus, but also to love God. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest thing we can do in life, he responded in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And yes, that love is a, is a choice to believe in and, and a choice to feel a certain way as a high priority, but it's also to obey God's word, to continue to know more and more of him and to interact with him in prayer, to develop that relationship with God, just like Jeff has been doing. He, he was going through faith, understanding a little bit, but yet he really wasn't having a relationship with Jesus. And yet he began to move forward in that and really loving Jesus. See, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus assures we are no fool for our faith, but there's more. I hope you pick up the study guide that's out there. As, as Pastor Kerry wrote down, 11 more truths that you can to, to validate the resurrection of Jesus and discover the, that. And, and the, the link to the video is there as well. You can remind yourself of that. But living the thrill of victory is found in trusting in the evidence and finding it valid. There is an avalanche of evidence to show that Jesus did raise from the dead. And if Jesus raised from the dead, then all he taught is true. And now it's up to us to choose to embrace that truth and to live the victory 
as we embrace faith in Jesus, follow Jesus, and love God. Why not make this Easter a point of decision, a point of making that turn, a point like Jeff did a while ago and say, you know what, I'm going to embrace faith. You know, it starts with a simple prayer. First to believe and to understand initially, and then those of you who have believed to continue on and then just like Jeff, make that initial, another faith uh, step move in, in that. So while I ask you to pray with me, would you bow your head this morning? As your head's bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not sure where you are, but maybe today, maybe today you're saying, you know, okay, I get it. I finally get it. The, the resurrection of Jesus, it, resurrection of Jesus is, a, is a reality. And so maybe this morning you want to, Pray a simple prayer that says, Lord Jesus, I do believe. I get that I'm a sinner and I, I, I need a savior and it's you. And I just want to place my trust in you, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. In the quietness of this moment, we're going to spend a little bit of time, uh, just quietness, you can pray that. Or maybe others of you, you, you know, you, you come to church and you kind of get it a little bit. You, you know, this God thing is important. That's why you're here and you want to celebrate. And, and yet it really hasn't been a... You know, you've been distant. You really haven't really made much of this faith thing. And maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to say like Jeff, hey, I want to make something different. God, I want to turn towards you. Just pray a little prayer. Like, Lord, help me. Help me know more. Help me get into this faith more and, and do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a moment of silence for you to do a little business with God and talk to him.